Welcome, it's Amelia Andalion with Spiritually Fit Yoga, and our guest today is Julie Cadu. Julie Cadu is the author of Bipolar, by as in B-Y-E hyphen polar, an autobiography of her journey through her own mental health struggles and the healing she found along the way. Julie is a 1,200-hour certified Baptist yoga teacher, a Life Force Yoga Level 1 practitioner, and a Lululemon ambassador. Julie lives in Colorado with her husband, Tom, their two children, Charlie and Katie, and their golden retriever, Nala. Julie is the owner of Revolution Power Yoga, Baptist Affiliate Yoga Studios in Avon and Glenwood Springs, Colorado. Julie loves being on her yoga mat, spending time in nature, in road trips with her family, and having fun with friends and her family. So I'm so excited that Julie's here to share her story with us and her message. I first connected with the Kadu family, meeting Tom at a Baptist yoga teacher training, and then meeting Julie for the first time a couple of years ago. And when I saw an article in Yoga Journal recently, and it mentioned her book, I reached out and I asked her to talk to my listeners, to you, about mental health, mental health and her personal experience with bipolar, bipolar disease. and. This is an important message for not just Julie, but for me and so many of us right now, and especially right now during the pandemic, during this times, learning how to manage our thoughts and not actually manage our thoughts, but manage our our reactions, our reactions and yoga, how yoga can be such a help and meditation. And Julie will share, share more about that. And I want you to hear more about it in her voice, her story, her words. And I also wanna wrap up before you hear her voice to say happy International Day of Yoga. (laughs) And I'm laughing a little bit because I was reading, it's like, okay, people are saying happy International Day of Yoga. And I could have sworn we just celebrated uh, an International Day of Yoga, but this is according to the United Nations Foundation. In 2015, they celebrated the first ever International Day of Yoga. And to me, anything that wants to celebrate yoga and the benefits of yoga is all right with me. (laughs) So thank you so much for being here. Enjoy this episode with Julie Cadu. I always appreciate you listening in. Take the time to leave a review, leave a rating. It's always the best thing that you can do for any podcasters out there. I appreciate you taking the time to listen and tuning in. Enjoy. I want to share a brief thank you and a generous offer from my sponsor, ubindi.com, U-B-I-N-D-I.com. They are offering a 50% discount on their essentials plan, the annual plan, by using the discount code AMELIA, all in caps, A-M-E-L-I-A. Ubindi.com is the website that I use to manage my bookings, to enable payments, to add courses, It's perfect for an instructor like myself who doesn't have a studio. It's affordable. It's easy to use. Check it out. Ubindi.com. You'll find the website in my episode notes and use the discount code A-M-E-L-I-A, Amelia, all in caps. Thanks for being here.
Good morning. Welcome, Julie. It's so great to have you here today on Spiritually Fit Yoga. How are you doing today? Oh, well, good morning, Amelia. I'm doing great, and I'm just really excited to be here and have a conversation with you. So thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So would you share with our listeners where you're at right now and and a little bit of a, a snapshot of what life has been like you for you in um, in Colorado and um, during the pandemic and, and the status of your studios and all of that? You bet. So I live in Avon, Colorado, which is just about five miles west of Vail. So I live in a ski resort mountain town. And I, I've been here for over 26 years. I was on my quote unquote year off after college. <laughs> and my parents moved here during that first year. And uh, I wasn't going to stay in Vail. And then I, I ended up meeting my husband and, and that. Um, and uh, yes, I have two yoga studios. One's right here in Avon called Revolution Power Yoga. And then we opened up a second studio just six months before the pandemic in Glenwood Springs. So it's about an hour west of where we live. So we have two studios. They're Baptiste affiliate yoga studios. So we offer Baptiste Power Vinyasa yoga. And I have an 18-year-old son who will be going off to college this fall and a 15-year-old daughter. And then my husband, Tom, is also a Baptiste yogi, and among other things. And so, yes, that's that's where we currently live. And then life in the last 15, 16 months. Wow. What, what a ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A ride is one word you could use for it. <laughs> Or shit show, sorry, maybe. Yeah, no. yep, yep. I, no, no sorries. I have, yeah. I'm like, oh, are we swearing here, Amelia? Is that yeah, okay? Yeah. WTF. Sure. <laughs> Every emoji. I found a new emoji on my phone that's like this crazy face, and uh, it's my favorite. If that would be, that would be my emoji to describe the year, I would say, um, yeah, wouldn't have chosen it, and lots of opportunity for growth. It has probably been one of my most challenging years in running the studios. I mean, this new, our new studio, like I said, was only open six months before the pandemic. And we really had a good thing going. I mean, we were after four months, we were like paying ourselves a little and people were coming and then the pandemic hit and, and uh, so we're in a place where we really need to rebuild that studio. Um, and then our original studio, we've been open about nine and a half years and, and we'll be okay. We have, and we have enough of a following there that, that no, nobody's going to let us fail. So I, I feel really grateful for the team that we have at Revolution Power Yoga, our teachers, our leaders, and our ambassadors, and then our, our members and our students that have supported us. And so we've learned, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of change which we'll, we'll get into, I'm sure. You admitted that. I, I really don't like change at all. And I, I know my yoga practice has given me tools to, to deal with it. And so, you know, I, I can't stand the word pivot. And, and though all the pivots have just built even more resilience. And, um, and I'm not going to lie, though, there's, there's lots of times where I've just wanted to quit. Yeah. Just, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And then though I go back to my why and my why is to make a difference for others. And right now more than ever, we need that. Right. Um, I mean, even right before I hopped on this podcast, my husband and I were sitting outside and there was an altercation of two people out on the street and police were called and 
words were shared and punches were thrown. And I'm just like, wow. And we got, my husband and I got interviewed by the officer and, and he, he said, it's like, people don't know how to get along anymore. Mm. And, you know, cause I said, are you seeing more of this during this time? And he said, uh, oh yeah. So it just really reminded me of, of my why this morning of like, gosh, Tom wanted to give him two free yoga class cards and put these two people next to each other on a yoga mat and just try to find some sort of peace. Make them do so, a be with and stare into each other's eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, dude, it's okay. If you're walking on the wrong side of the road, it's okay. So what? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been a year and uh, I'm looking forward to things returning to a new, a new normal, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. Well, I just want to acknowledge you and, and all of the studio owners that have that have hung in here because I know it's been challenging. It's been so challenging. I, and this episode is, is going to be focused on um, mental health and especially your book by Polar, BYE Polar, and what you have to share about that. But I did want to briefly just acknowledge you and any studio owner out there listening that, um, I mean, talk about resilience that this year has built for all of us all of us as um, owners, as yoga teachers, as just human, human beings right now. And, um, and I'm so excited to hear you share about um, your passion to reach out and, and help people, especially in the area of mental health and specifically uh, about bipolar disorder. So I'm going to sit back and listen. And um, so I'd like to ask you if you could share for those of us that don't know what bipolar disorder is, and then go ahead and share your story. You bet. Well, thank you. And thank you for the acknowledgement of being a, a studio owner and getting through these times. And again, thank you for having me on here. So yes, I am, I am going to just read from um, my book as what uh, bipolar disorder defined. The first definition of bipolar adapted from the Mayo Clinic. Bipolar disorder, formerly called manic depression, causes extreme mood swings that include emotional highs, so in parentheses, mania or hypomania, and lows, depression. An individual may become depressed, may feel sad or hopeless, and lose interest or pleasure in most activities. When the mood shifts in the other direction, the individual may feel euphoric and full of energy. Mood shifts may occur only a few times a year or as often as several times a week. And then I have another definition in there, and you can grab my book and read the other one. Um, for me, I where my mental health stuff really, really began was I was a senior in high school. I was 17, and my mom had taken me on a trip to go visit the University of Puget Sound. I grew up in Minnesota, which you may hear my accent from time to time during this podcast. And while we were away, even though I wasn't going to be going to college for another year, the thought of going off to college brought so much anxiety. And so I started to not sleep very well. I lost my appetite. And by the time we got back to Minnesota after that weekend college trip, I had a really hard time concentrating and I tried going to school and I just, I could not focus. So my parents decided to pull me out of school just to get me better. And I went to, I think, a psychologist and then a psychiatrist and eventually was put on an antidepressant and it worked for a period of time that fall. And then all of a sudden it stopped working and I got really, really depressed. I 
I remember at the time feeling like my mind was completely blank. Like there was nothing, nothing in my mind at all. And I could get myself dressed. And I remembered my social security number. Um, and that was really about it. And my parents, their mental health wasn't talked about. This was in 1987. It wasn't talked about at all. And so my parents had no idea what to do. They hear they have this daughter that's depressed. And, and really, I mean, I grew up with everything. I mean, we had, we lived in the country and had a nice house and I, both my parents, they're still married. Um, I had the love of both of my parents and, and, uh, and yet here was this, this girl that was just so depressed. And so eventually the depression got so bad that I was admitted into a hospital and it was a hospital. I think it was really meant for teens that had drug and alcohol problems, which I didn't have either one. And they I had been on, so I was on an antidepressant and also Xanax. And they, when I was put into the hospital, they pulled me cold turkey off of those medications, which now, nowadays, when one is on those types of medications, you wean off. Um, and I went catatonic, which cata, catatonia is like basically just blank, <laughs> blank mind. Mm-hmm. I, my dad remembers visiting me in the hospital and my eyes were just fixed on the ceiling couldn't talk, didn't really, couldn't really do anything. And, um, and it was when I was hospitalized that I was labeled bipolar. I still to this day, and even talking with my mother, who was an extreme supporter of getting me better. Um, we still don't really, really know why I was labeled that she, my mom thought that maybe because I had been on an antidepressant and then it didn't work, but that was why. And none of those doctors are around anymore to ask, but um, I was treated as as though I had bipolar and was put on tons of drugs to get me out of the catatonic state that I was in. And lithium was the the, the main mood stabilizer that I was put on. I I was hell bent on getting out of the hospital. I was hospitalized for two months, and I had missed half my senior year, so I was kind of missed the second second and third quarters of my senior year of high school. And, uh, but I was hell bent on getting back to school and graduating. And fortunately I was type A enough and a perfectionist enough in high school where I had taken more credits than I needed to. So I, I was, I was able to graduate on time, but, um, yeah, I got out of the hospital and graduated high school. I was determined to go to college and I, I went to college that, that fall of my freshman year. And for whatever reason, it was October of that year. And my psychiatrist took me off of the lithium that I was on again, cold Turkey. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, in, in pondering it more now as an adult, I'm like, why did he do that? I'm sure as a feisty 18 year old at this point, I was probably like, get me off this medication. I couldn't stand the way I felt. My face was puffy and my teeth felt weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and though it, it was working to some level because you know, it got me out of the funk that I was in and I was able to kind of lead a pretty normal existence. Um, and then about, so that was October of my seat, my freshman year in college. And by mid November, I started getting Looney Tunes. Like I, I suppose you could say, um, a manic mania was coming and I'm finding out now as an adult in researching medications that when one is taking cold turkey off of these drugs, like it can cause these kinds of side effects 
months, weeks later. So um, whether it was my some sort of internal chemical imbalance I had or some side effect from being taken cold turkey off of lithium, I was then entered into the hospital again, different hospital. And, and uh, oh, before I was hospitalized, I was put back on the lithium. And I, I guess my dad had taken me to the doctor and my mother was livid because she was like, why was she put back on that lithium? That was not, you know, but they didn't know what to do. So they put me back on lithium and I got back in the hospital. They took me cold turkey off the lithium. And three days later, I still had like toxic levels of lithium in my body. So I, I don't know to this day of like, well, what was, what was a chemical imbalance and what was, you know, cause or effect from, from the drugs. But anyway, they got me on a new drug. It was called Tegretol and it was meant originally meant for people who are epileptic. Um, and that, that drug was great. It, it stabilized my mood. It did, it did what it was supposed to do. I was only hospitalized, um, for two weeks that time and then went back to college and, uh, and, and then my, the thing with that, the, the psychiatrist that I had at the time, he was just like, you know, when you want to have children one day, you will need to wean off of that medication so that you can have kids. I guess one of the, the possible side effects of taking Tegretol while being pregnant is um, and, uh, having a child with neural tube defects. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so anyway, so then jump forward, eventually, you know, I, I graduated from college and after college, I was on my quote unquote year off and that's when I moved to Vail. So about 26 years ago. And, and then shortly after I'd moved to Vail, I met my current husband, Tom, my one and only husband. <laughs> and we, we weren't going to stay in Vail, but uh, it was like, well, my parents lived in Vail and, and, uh, and, and why not? So we, we did the whole ski patrol role and all that. And then, and then we started to talk about having a family and the thought of going off the medication though, absolutely scared the bejesus out of me. I, I never, ever, ever wanted to go back to where I was. And though I knew I really, really, really wanted to have children. Mm-hmm. So I had found a, I've seen so many psychiatrists or whatever, but I had, um, found one that was really great out in the Vale Valley. And he assured me that you know, we can work with you to wean off at the, they had enough education then. And what was that? 2001, 2002 to know that, you know, it's important to wean off of, of medications like that. And, uh, yeah. And so I did that. He helped me wean off the medication in O2 and got pregnant shortly thereafter. And, and, um, I was able to have my first child in, in 2003 and then my second child in 2005. And, um, and really, I made it probably five years not not being on any medication, and then enter in two thousand seven, and a big change with my husband and his job, and and his father, or his dad was diagnosed with a terminal disease, and I had a friend, and you know, you may know her, um, and she's in the Baptist Yoga World, Rachel DeLong. Mm-hmm. She she kept saying, this was spring of '07. She kept saying to me, Julie. I have this week free yoga pass at the Vale Athletic Club. You got to go. And I was like, I'm too stressed out to go. (laughs) (laughs) And somebody overheard me. We were at uh, somebody's, we were at like a kid birthday party and there were grandparents there and the grandmother overheard me. And she's like, isn't that why you go to yoga? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, So 
that was in spring of 07. And I was like, nope, nope, not going, not going. And anyway, so then the fall of 07 came around and I, lo- I had a gardening business and I had lost one of my gardening clients at the beginning of, the, of October, whom I love dearly. And then unfortunately, Tom's dad passed away at the end of October. And then I was like, okay, Rachel, you still have that free class card? <laughs> that free week. And so we went, it was probably the beginning of November and went, I went to, a, it was a Baptiste yoga class. And I remember laying in Shavasana and I was so grateful. I had my eyes covered the teacher, Kelly Heath. She played amazing grace. And I, it was just like all the stars lined up. And I just had this feeling of like, everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. And I mean, my practice was God awful. I remember there were mirrors in front and I had to do my best not to judge myself or my body. And, and then that, that week that I had free, I experienced two other Baptist yoga teachers. And I felt like every time I took a class, they were speaking directly to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there is something about this. And so at the start of 2008, Kelly Heath, who was the, that my first Baptiste teacher was offering a 40 days to personal revolution program. And I, I was like, I'm going to sign up. And I only signed up though, because I wanted to learn more about my yoga practice. I wasn't too interested in meditating. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what 40 days to personal revolution is, it's 40 days of yoga, meditation, mindful eating, personal inquiry. And I was only in for the yoga. And because I tend to have perfectionist type A tendencies, I'm also going to do the program the way the program is designed. So I found that once I started meditating, I could sleep better and I felt less reactive. And the personal inquiry and answering some of the questions in the 40 days book, I started to see that this label that I had been put, that had been put on me as a 17 year old, I started to see that it was like, okay, I was labeled this. And though I'm not, I'm not my label. I might experience depression. I might experience anxiety. And though they, they don't define me. And I, since, since 2008, I've either participated in, assisted or led, I think 33, 40 days programs. Oh, and awesome. though, yeah, that first one, something just really clicked in me, Amelia. And mm-hmm. then that summer of 08, there was a little birdie saying, I think, I think you got to teach yoga. I was, I didn't share this before. And I was an early childhood education major. When I was on ski patrol, I taught the incoming patrollers CPR and first aid. And I love, like, I just had this thing where I just love to teach and empower and uh, so then I, I did my first teacher training with, with Baptiste Yoga in 09, went to level one. And then in 2010, I went to level two. And then I guess at the start of 2012, opened up my own yoga studio. It's like, I got I to gotta do my own thing. So I opened up that and really, oh my goodness. Um, there's been, there's been a lot. I mean, this, the story, there's, there's so much to it. And 
the the practice, the physical practice of yoga, sitting in meditation and sweating bullets and not wanting to do it and doing it anyway, and having the courage to to look at myself and to look at the parts that I might think are really could be ugly. Um, that that that's been a game changer, and just wanting to share that with others. And I, I'll, I'll say that in I guess it was in 2010. So before I went to level two, one of the questions on the application was, "Are you currently under the care of a of a of a psychiatrist or something like that?" And I I was going to lie <laughs> and say mm-hmm. no, and I thought, well, since this practice is really about the truth, I, I probably should tell the truth. And within a week, I got an email saying, we, we, we need to have a letter from your doctor saying that it's okay for you to participate. Mm. And I got so mad. I threw something across the room and I was just really mad. And I, there was this woman um, who would come out, she, Terry Lee, and she would uh, come out to the, to the Vail Valley once in a while and, and work with people and, and I was like, I think I need to see her. I think I need to do something to, to really start shifting my, this, this mental health stuff that I've gone through. And, uh, when I saw her, she's clairvoyant and clairaudient. And she really got me to see that, that all that I'd been through was such a gift. And she's like, Julie, you're, it's your mission to go out and demystify yoga and depression and empower people. And, I'll never forget that was a Sunday I saw her and Monday I had, I was in, I don't know which 40 days program I was in and it sitting on the floor of this yoga studio it was still at the Vale athletic club. And we were going around sharing and I had shared. I, so I would only tell people that I was labeled bipolar. If you promised never, ever to tell anybody or I'd like stick a needle in your eye. Like I had so much shame around it. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and so it was the first time I ever shared being labeled bipolar in a group. And I'm not kidding you. So this studio is on the ground level and the ceilings are two floors high. And on the West, no, the South side of the studio, there's really, there's windows that face Vail Mountain. And there must've been something going on on Vail Mountain at the same time. And as soon as I got done sharing my story, it was much briefer than what I'm sharing now. Fireworks started going off. <laughs> and it was, it was this, I felt like it was this acknowledgement from the universe of like, yeah, girl, you are on the right track. Keep, <laughs> keep doing that. So then I just started, I would share on Facebook and share, and then people would reach out to me and like, oh my gosh, I want to share my story. And, and the more I shared, the more free I got. And then I saw what it did for other people and I saw their freedom and, and then they would share their stories and then they would empower others. and. And so I'm getting chills as I'm saying this because mm-hmm. there's something around I feel being to being able to own my story and accept it and use it as fuel for growth, not only for me, for others. Right. And yeah. So that's that's my story, Amelia. <laughs> Wow. Wow. And I, I know there's more to it, but um, yeah, that's, that's so amazing. So I have a, a few questions. So to go to, to go back, um, 
So to clarify, you went off the med. I don't remember how. How did you say that? Trif, trif is something. Tiger Tegretol. something. Tegretol. Tigretol. Okay. Tegretol. So you went off that. You weaned off that before you got pregnant, and then you were up. Have you been off the meds ever since then? Oh, I. You know what? I forgot that part of the story. Thank you. That's a very good question. <laughs> That's actually a big part of the story. I can't believe okay. I forgot it. Um, yeah. So timeline. Okay. So I was. <laughs> so thank you. You're like a detective. I I went off in '02, and then I made it five years, and went back on a medication. Oh yeah, this would be helpful. So so I went back on a medication in. Well, if I went off in 02, what's what's the math? I went back on in 05. Or excuse me, 07. That was the that was the year that Tom had a job change and my father-in-law was diagnosed and then passed away. Um, so at the start of that year, I because Tom was bond trading and he was working at night and sleeping during the day. And then when he stopped doing that, I had this snoring husband who would not like <laughs> the snoring was so bad. And I was I was a wreck. And I say it a lot in my book, like when I don't have good sleep, like I'm a basket case. Oh, yeah. And um, and so I went to my doctor because I could feel those feelings of depression and anxiety creeping back in. And she said, you know, I, I, I'm going to recommend that you go on gabapentin, which is also Neurontin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you should ask, you know, the, the psychiatrist that I was seeing at the time, ask him, but just let's get you back on track. And then she said, have Tom sleep in a separate bedroom for a couple of weeks just for you to get back on track. And so I did go on that medication and, and then I was on it and on it and on it. And then by the time I think it was 2014 rolled around, I was still in the yoga work and I'd also found landmark education and landmarks, just a lot of personal inquiry. It's amazing. It's just all that, like the transformation without the yoga mat. Mm -hmm. And this this pro- particular program I was in, it was a self-expression and leadership program where I was building a project called the, well, originally it was yoga for the big D, transform anxiety and depression through yoga. I started these programs um, to empower people. And then I found out the big D, D actually is, refers to male genitalia. So I needed to change the name. And so I changed it to the oh. wholeness yoga project. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was like, Oh no, that's not what I'm going for here. Um, so, and though I, I had to do a lot of more personal inquiry on my own, uh, relationship to my mental health. So in, I guess it was September of 2014. I was like, I really don't think this medication I'm on is working. It was supposed to regulate my sleep. It was supposed to be mood stabilizer. And it did those things initially. And I had talked to my doctor about weaning off and so I did the thing. I, I weaned off it, that fall of 2014. And yes, I have been unmedicated ever since. And the, the topic of meditation or meditation, medication mm-hmm. um, and meditation probably, but the topic of med, medication can be really, really touchy. Mm-hmm. I know when I was on a medication and I would read articles in yoga journal around I would hear it like I was bad and wrong for being on something. And I don't ever want people to feel that way. You know, if, if people are on a medication and it's working and, you know, it's just like if you had cancer or you were at 
have diabetes or whatever. There, there are things that one might need to do to be healthy. You know, it's like the cost benefit analysis. And, and I know for me, since I, I've been on so many different medications for mental health and yeah, if something happens in the future where I'm just not able to use my tools to pull myself out of what I'm in, I, if I need to go back on something, you know, I, I will. And though I also think, gosh, I was just meditating on this this morning that if I could wave my magic wand as far as like the, the, the health world and mental health world, wouldn't it be amazing if when someone does go to the doctor because they are depressed or anxious, rather than having the first thing be a pill, what if it was, hey, here's some mindfulness tips. What does it look like to meditate? What does it look like to do some breath work or to get on a yoga mat, whether it's power yoga or restorative or just, or move your body, get out and walk in nature, just something. And I'm not saying that the the mat is a replacement for medication. And though, what if, what if that was first, you know, that I, I found so much freedom in, in using these tools and that what if the tools were first versus medication? And then, yeah, if none of those are working. Then absolutely. If that's what is needed, it's just, there's, it, they can be tricky. It's hard to sometimes find the right one. And, and if you find the right one, great. I was on the right ones at times. And I also think I was on the wrong ones. Um, so that's my answer to your question. What I hear in your story too, is it's like, there was the time when you were 17 and they were still learning how to administer, or they weren't even weaning you off (laughs) this medication. And then with more time that there's been more research, you know, and a better, better managing, managing this. And, um, so I want to make sure that I'm tracking with you now. So you were, you went back on the meditation, tried this GABA, and then you ended up getting off both. Is that correct? Or just the GABA? So uh, gabapentin and neurontin are the same. One is generic oh, and one, okay. is, one is the uh, generic and one is the brand name. Okay. And then currently, are you still on medication? Nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. So I, we, you've nope. Been... I weaned off. I weaned off in 2014. Okay, and so it's been seven years, right? Yeah, yeah, it'll be seventeen oh. years, seven years. Can we do math? <laughs> What's that? It's like, can I do my math? Yeah, seven years. Yeah, yes, seven it's seven years. years, and whoa, and you know, I know this past year has. Well, I think it's safe to say it's tested all of us. It's tested me for sure, and and it, it it's just, one of my one of my yoga teachers, Amy Weintraub. I, I did a training with her called yoga for anxiety and depression. And, and she was like, just like you would take a pill every day, get on your mat every day. And I, I, I don't, I don't get on my mat every day. And though I do meditate, like I, I and if I don't, Tom's like, my husband says, did you meditate? <laughs> you can tell it, it is, it is non negotiable for me in the morning to not meditate. Like it, I, I work it into my routine. I set my alarm. I have no problem getting up early. I've always been an early riser and, um, I meditate a minimum of 20 minutes every morning. And even still, sometimes I feel batshit crazy and <laughs> no, it just, it, it, that grounds me. So I, I meditate every morning. I, I meditate every evening. And though sometimes 
if I wait too long to meditate, I, I don't even know if I make it five minutes. So I, that's my work is to be more intentional and meditate earlier, probably, you know, either when dinner is cooking or right after dinner or right before dinner. Um, so that the meditation is really a, a great tool and breath. I do a lot of breath work, a lot of pranayama while I'm meditating, um, journaling, even though I resisted, <laughs> I, I, I take on the practices of 40 days and, and put them in. And that, that's for me right now, my, my medication. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, making sure that I get time in nature, whether it's running or going on a walk, I have a cute little golden retriever that I take out or just, or connecting with a friend or having space. And and that is one thing I would say that has been challenging with this pandemic and running these two businesses is, is finding that balance of like taking care of everybody else and then taking care of myself, you know, and they, they say like, you got to put your own oxygen mask on first before you put on others. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still like, I haven't mastered that yet. So <laughs> yeah. we're all doing our best. <laughs> That's right. That is right. So. Yeah. Oh, well, that is so great. And then with all of that, you have written a book. Yes. So much of what I shared today is all, everything really is all in my book called Bipolar. Hmm. Yeah. And I love the, I love the name. The, you know, the play on words, the by, the B-Y-E, polar. And, but I'm curious about the name too. I mean, can you say goodbye to it? What do you mean by that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I, I want to say what, what led me to writing the book. Is that okay if I jump into that? Yes, of course. And, and then I'll answer your question as well. Yeah. So it was, oh, geez, here we go with the years again. <laughs> sometime when my, my son and my niece were in middle school, I think they were going into sixth or seventh grade. Now they've graduated. So they're, they're 18. So like, let's say it's just, let's just say it was six years ago. My sister-in-law who, um, her, her daughter at the time had friends who were cutting, they were cutting their arms and, and dealing with, uh, a lot of, um, some mental health issues. And at the time she was living in Tahoe and sh- she said, I wish you could come out here and share your story with these girls. I feel like it would really help. And so that kind of planted the seed. And I thought, oh, you know, maybe I'll write a little blog. Mm. And at the start of, I'm just going to say 2015, <laughs> I, I sat down to write this blog. And literally, as soon as I started typing in Google Docs, I thought this, this can't this can't be a blog. It has to be a book. And what I have, what I haven't shared yet is, um, in, in, as I was writing my book, I, looking back when I was seven, I was molested by my babysitter. I had a male babysitter. I would, and I kept that a secret from my mom for 10 years. So as a 17 year old, when my mom's going through all of the possible things, like she just kind of, you know, have you smoked pot or what did, you know, she, she asked, she's like, what did, you know, the, the babysitter do to you? She sensed that he did something. And finally I, you know, 10 years later, I shared with my mom that I had been molested and, and I had read, I share this in, in bipolar. I read Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly. 
And in, in that book, she quotes James Pennybaker. He did a, a study on people who were victims of sexual abuse, the ones that shared it right after it had happened versus the ones that kept it a secret. And the ones who had kept it a secret had dramatically, like their symptoms of depression and anxiety were far greater than mm-hmm. the ones who had shared it. So, and at the time, I mean, that molestation, you know, being touched inappropriately, that was never talked about. I was always told, don't take candy from a stranger, never mm-hmm. anything around inappropriate touch. I also, when I was 16, I was backpacking in Colorado with a high school friend and we were attacked and I was sexually assaulted. And had we not been rescued, we, we, we probably would have been raped and killed. Mm. Um, and thank mm. goodness we weren't. And though I, I think those cases of the, the sexual abuse definitely led to my depression getting so bad. Um, and so anyway, so yes, I told my whole story of the hospitalization, all of that in, as I started my journey with yoga, that's where I started to see, I shifted away from psychiatrists and started seeing more healers. And I spoke to Terry Lee. One before that was an amazing woman named Kathy Zeeb, who unfortunately has since passed away. And I had shared with her my story, keeping out any sort of sexual abuse. And she was just listening to me. And, and when I finished my story, because she was clairvoyant and clairaudient, and this might sound hippy dippy woo to some people, and it probably did to me back in the day. And now I just, I love it. I love the energetic side. And Mm. she could tell that something happened to me when I was seven. She couldn't tell what it was. And she could tell I had had a trauma. And she saw the stuck energy in my second chakra, right? Like halfway between my pubic bone and my belly button. Mm -hmm. And she said, only when you can change what happened to you into thought, you can release your thought, you can change your thoughts. And at the time I was like, what are you kidding? Like my thoughts own me. I can't change my thoughts. Mm. And so that really started like the unraveling of, oh, and, and I, I really can't truly remember the year I'm just going to say for time's sake, probably 05, the psychiatrist I did have at the time did remove the label of bipolar. He said, Julie, you're not bipolar. He said, you deal more with anxiety and depression. I wouldn't say that you're bipolar. And so in getting back to your question around the title, I do feel that one can overcome certain labels, perhaps not all. And though my, I can only speak to my own story, Amelia, and that I was labeled bipolar at 17 and the doctors were very sure of that. And there's a time and a place for a diagnosis. And I think diagnoses can be great because they tell us how to move forward and you know, come up with a plan and move forward to get the person better. And I know that the team of doctors I had, they did the best at the time with what they had and what they knew. And in just discovering all these tools and all the psychiatrists I've seen and healers I've seen that yes, did, were there certain points in my life where I had bipolar tendencies? Absolutely. I could tell you some of the fantasies I had when I, that second time when I was more manic and, you know, loaded up on lithium and, and just, I, yeah, I, I definitely had some very manic thoughts and though 
there it, it's I'm not I'm I'm not bipolar. Sometimes I wonder being a 51 year old woman and the hormones and the ups and the downs and mm-hmm. you know and and the what's what's just normal, you know right. what you know and, and then coming out of this pandemic, it you know we're all, we're we're all we're all meant to experience emotions and thoughts and have highs and lows. It's just when the lows are too low, like sometimes you just need a baseline. If you every day you you just can't get to like every day you get out of bed and it's a struggle to get out of bed. It's like, yeah, having a medication might help you just to get to a baseline so one can function. Um, for me, I, I, I was able to use the tool. It's just, it's been a, it's been a lot of work to get where I am. And so what I want people to know is like, yeah, you might be labeled and, and own that label, like own it. If, if it, if it, if having a label, allows you to accept where you are so you can move forward and get yourself better, own it. And though it doesn't have to define you, like for me, it's given me my purpose. Um, so I, I have found one of the things since I've, this book came out in the fall of, I want to say 2018. Um, I've ended up being a support for a lot of parents who have struggling teens mm-hmm. and I can speak to being the teen and I can also speak to being a parent because my mother has been very instrumental in, in, and my dad too, in what's important as the kind of the, the parent of the child, you know, it's like for the, for my mom and dad, it was them being on the same page and communicating. And my mom's biggest thing is self-care. Like she, she went through her own journey of healing and then she found painting and, um, and so she's been a big resource for parents, but, um, I, I, I get skeptical sometimes when teens are labeled bipolar now, it's like, yeah. okay, yep. Have, take the label. And then, yeah, if medication is needed or whatever, take that step. And it doesn't mean that you'll be that way forever. That's me. Now a psychiatrist could hear that and, you know, like, you know, just disagree. Yeah. I, But would you suggest, say, hey, before you take the medication, would you give this a try? Would you try meditation? Would you give yoga a try? I mean, would you, like what you were saying before, you wish that that was an option before medication, before a pill? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I remember one time when I went to my psychiatrist, there was the questionnaire, you know, scale of one to five. Have you lost sleep? Have you had moods? Had you had... And I, I filled it out honestly and I went in and I saw him and he's like, okay, I'm going to give you a new medication to da, 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 da. And I looked at him and I said, you haven't even asked me one question, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I said, I'm not filling out that form ever again. You need to talk to me and ask me how I'm feeling versus looking at a box. Right. And, and so we, <laughs> I mean, that was me as a 30 some year yeah. old and, um, yeah, you know, I certainly don't want to tell medical people how to do their job. I, mm-hmm. I, uh, that you know, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm, I'm the doctor of my own experience. I'm not an expert in it. I just, I just think there's a time and a place. And you know, even for people who have been survivors of cancer, it's like they they survive it. Like, and unfortunately, I know people have lost their lives to cancer. And and um, and though there there are ways to. To, to be in remission or to be cancer free. And it, I, I'm no way equating 
depression and anxiety, bipolar to cancer. And though they're, they're, they are both diseases. You just can't, you know, you can do a PET scan or an MRI and you can see cancer. You can't, you can't do a scan and see depression, anxiety. I mean, they can, they can study the brain to some level, but um, it, that's why mental health, I think it's what's powerful now is I think there's so much more of a call especially after this pandemic, people have, I think, struggled more than ever. And there's becoming more and more awareness. I just, I would love just, yeah, just people to be aware and aware of what their options are. And, you know, and for somebody who's really, really anxious, sitting down and meditating might make them go through the roof. You know, that's, you know, so it's, everybody is different and having the right tool at the time. And, you know, you could, I could say, Amelia, go get on your mat right now. And you're like, you know, actually the meditation is what I need right now. It's not getting mm-hmm. on my mat. Um, mm-hmm. I just want people to know that there's, they can be in choice and that there's always hope. There was a time in my life, as I told you, that it felt like the lights were out and there was no possibility of me ever getting better. And I always knew I wanted to get better. Um, I was fortunate that I, I was never suicidal. Um, and I just knew I wanted to get better. I am determined as hell. And, uh, and, and so there's hope, there's always hope and there is so much freedom available on the, on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear that a lot in your story. You know, we talked about, you know, the hope and the, the freedom from suffering and that there's a, there's an alternative, you know, maybe there's another way. Maybe there's another way. And medication is great. It can be great. You know, in, in Western medicine, it's great. And is there room to explore like alternatives? Like you went to a healer and, you know, just 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 broadening. And I, and I love how you said you filled out that form and you told the doctors like, hey, you didn't even ask me a question. <laughs> you yeah. didn't even talk to me. So teaching people to be advocates for their own for their own health, for their own mental health. And teens may not know how to do it. So it's so great that you're, you have that beautiful, um, you know, the, the experience as a child or as a teen, and then also now as a parent, and then, you know, how your mom also, your parents also helped you. So, which is like, this is so, this is so amazing, Julie. I'm so glad that you, you took this to, from your blog to a book and now sharing it here, you know, on my podcast. And I know um, I saw you mentioned in Yoga Journal. And when I was yes. reading, just I don't know if I told you that when I just saw a snippet in Yoga Journal, it's just like, how did I not know that Julie was doing this? <laughs> and this is when I reached out to you. Yes, it's so great. And this really, when I think of, I, I, I don't know what's next past being a, a yoga studio owner and I know though that my work is not done as far as empowering people in, I really want people to own their stories and share them. Like, and whether it looks like me supporting people and writing a book that might seem daunting. And though like everybody has something to say and people can really benefit from hearing what people have to say Mm -hmm. and have letting people have a voice. And I mean, I was so shy growing up, Amelia. Oh, so shy, so shy. And no one can believe it now. Um, <laughs> and I still, you know, I still shake in my boots probably every time I go to even teach like a regular yoga class. And I just have to like constantly like get myself out of the way 
to be up to something bigger than myself to make a difference right. for others. And that's what I, that's all I want for people is just this, this life is meant to be lived with joy and love and freedom. And, and that's, that's everyone's birthright. Everyone has that, even though they may not feel that currently it's, it is, it is available to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love how you said, what, what was the, what was the exact quote from, I think it was a healer that, that noticed that in your, your second chakra that you were stuck. What did she say about releasing the, the, the thoughts? Oh, she said, well, she saw the stuck energy and she said, once you can release the thought, you can change, once you change the thought and you're basically like releasing, you, you release the chakra by changing the thought mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and that, yeah. And I, I, again, and I, I see so many people, I mean, just even in this altercation with these neighbors this morning, it's like, yeah, the thought is I'm right. I'm right. Or I'm, they're wrong. And it's like, Oh, what if we just, what if it's okay if the person walks on the wrong side of the street? Mm-hmm. Does it really matter? Does it really matter? You know, right. it takes something though to change thoughts. And yeah. Yeah. I read a quote. I read a quote this morning that said, Oh, the mood. Wait, a bad, a bad attitude is like a flat tire. Until you change it, you're never going to get anywhere. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Isn't that great? I, I, I'm not going to lie, I've had a bad attitude showing up in the last few months. <laughs> and, you know, just getting pushed, you know, like, oh, I can't do this anymore. It's like, yes, you can. And I'm like, wow, well, I better change my attitude if I want something to change. Right. Right. You know, it's like that peace begins with me. And sometimes it's like, I don't like that. I want peace to begin over there. And then, and then I'll feel peaceful. And I know that's not true. It has to start me changing my insides. Yeah. And then it changes what comes out. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. That's so good. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. And I don't know what, who there's somebody that said it, so it doesn't come from me, but, uh, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Well, Julie, I I really appreciate you sharing your sharing your story and and it's so inspirational and I and I know it can help so many people listening and including I know in my in my episode notes I'll share a link to how people can get your book. But would you to wrap up? I always ask my listeners or my guests to share with our listeners three tips for staying spiritually fit. Whoa. Um. <laughs> the first one that comes to mind is breathe like deep deep breaths that's good i just i just took a deep breath and in that right now is uh, i would say take a pause and in i'm gonna kind of link something in with the second one like take a pause and listen and then that would lead into the third one so in the second one you're taking a pause and listening for what's needed in the moment and do I need to take a nap read a book get in nature 
get on my yoga mat? Like, do, do I need to change a habit? Do I need to eat an apple or have a slice of that chocolate cake you've been withholding? You know, like what, what's needed? And, and in that moment, take action from the listening of what you truly need. Mm-hmm. And did you have a third or was that your third? That was my third. So the third, so one, two, breathe, take a pause and listen. And then the third one is, is taking action. Right. That comes from the listening. And so I was suggesting different things. Cause right. I, you know, I can so say, yeah, third one could be yoga. Well, maybe that might not be what someone needs in the moment. Right. Just, and like, I don't know, I, this, this is right here is like, never give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. So I have a, I have a follow-up question because when you were saying, you know, do I need an apple? <laughs> you don't eat an apple. I had a question about, um, food and gut health. You know, you hear so much about gut health related to mental health and um, what you, have you experienced that at all? It's like, are you, are you careful about what you eat and how it affects your mental health or to stabilize your mood or? Yes. Personal practice with that. Yes. And I would say, you know, from the start of doing 40 days and, and being more intentional in my food. Yes. When I am an intention, when I am intentional in what I eat. I, I feel better physically and mentally all the way around. And I know, I know everyone is, is different. I, my body does well on eating a lot of fruit. Um, I, I do eat meat and, um, and though I, I try to avoid eating a lot of processed foods and, um, yeah, I just, I try to eat organic and where I can, I can eat broccoli at every single meal. <laughs> love broccoli. I put it in my eggs in the morning. And, uh, and then when I don't, when I like, I allow myself to eat crap when I have the chips or I eat pasta or bread, I love those things. And, and cheese, I love those things. And though my gut and my body does not feel good when I eat those things. Um, right. and so I just have to do that cost benefit analysis. It's like, you know, like Friday night, we went to a Bob Weir show and I had pizza beforehand and I loved every bite of it. Um, and then I just know that maybe the next day I just might not feel the greatest. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think life is meant to be lived and, and I will eat that piece of cake. I will eat French fries. I will have a burger. Um, and though it's like kind of like that taking a pause, like breathe, take a pause, listen what's needed and then taking an action, you know, like going out for lunch or dinner. It's like, Am I going to have the burger and fries or is, am I going to have a salad and then taking action from what I really need? And then it's like my work though, is when I choose to eat things that might not have me feeling the best of like, not, not attaching the guilt and the shame to it and just be like, dude, you, you did that with joy and, and, and leave it at that. So, right. Yeah. 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 Thanks. I was just curious because I, I personally have been in more observation of how how certain foods affect my mental health, how certain foods, um, I might be more prone to depression or l- feeling lethargic or, 
um, not having the vitality or not even the, the clarity of mind. And, you know, you talked about like being in 50s, I'm 56 and with the hormones and I feel like I get the brain fog and, and it's even more important for me to um, be mindful of my, my food. I'm, I'm, I'm noticing that connection more. I'm just more aware of that connection of, of how the food affects my, my mental health. So that's where I was curious if, if, uh, yeah, what you practice, because I always like to learn. I always like to learn from everybody. So, yeah, I think that's great. And that's, a, I would say that's a newer uh, observation myself of really looking at what I'm eating and it, is it impacting my mental and, and physical health. And there's always something new I feel to be learned and, you know, learning and growing. And, and I know for me, when I, when I, make the decision to eat the pizza and maybe eat more of the junk. It's like, Oh, that, what's that saying? A moment on the lips <laughs> forever. You know, it's like, doesn't come oh, off like it did back in the day. That's a whole other topic, but. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when I was younger, I might've been more concerned about, yeah. Is it going to my hips or my belly or how I look? And now that I'm getting older, I'm I'm kind of starting to give up because my body is doing what it wants to do. <laughs> it's not it's not cooperating the way that I'd really like it to anymore. I'm I'm just trying to embrace that as it is. Um, but I'm yeah I'm, maybe it's because I'm hearing more about it in you know other podcasts or other um, especially alternative doctors about the effect of, um, you know, on the mental health or my own experience of menopause, which is like so fun. And it actually, and I, you know, I shouldn't be so sarcastic. Um, my meditation and my yoga and what I eat, it helps so much with that, you know, this, this time of life. So, um, yeah, our no. mental health is like, it's, it matters. It matters to, um, take care of it. And, um, I love all the suggestions that you made. I love that you are an advocate out there and, um, I'm so excited to share your message with our listeners and for people to check out your book. And will you share how, how can people reach you and connect with you? Yes, I will share. Well, thank you for all of that. My Instagram handle is Julie Kadu, J-U-L-I-E-K-I-D-D-O-O. And that's probably the best social media channel. And if you'd like to email me, and I'm happy to pop on calls or whatever, but um, my email is bipolar book. So B-Y-E. P O L A R book at gmail.com. And yes. And then if you'd like to purchase a copy of my book, it's available on amazon.com via the paperback or uh, what is it? Kindle ebook. And then um, also it's available. Well, if you wanted to support my local bookstore, the bookworm of Edwards, they, they also ship, um, and it's the same cost as Amazon, I believe, but yeah. Yeah. Get a copy of my book. And I think, I think it's, it seems like it's, it's the best for people who might know somebody who's, who's struggling. It, it may be a little bit of a trigger for someone themselves who are struggling. And I, and I don't know, I've, I've found it to be both, both that's kind of my audience, either people who are struggling and though the, the caregivers of people who are. Right. Well, Julie, this was super helpful and it was so fun connecting with you. And um, I hope I get to see you in person sometime at a Baptiste program again, sometime soon, <laughs> whenever that's going to happen. I and hope Tom so. Too. Yes. Tom too. Hey, Tom out there. Tom, I also know from program. We've been in a couple programs together. But um, yeah, this was so great. I really, really appreciate having you share your message and, and hearing your voice today. 
Oh, well, thank you, Amelia. And yes, Tom Cadu says hello as well. And I can't thank you enough for having me on the podcast with you. It's been an honor to share and, and to connect with you. And I do hope I get to see you in person sooner than later. Yay. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Thanks, Amelia. Thanks. Thank you, Julie, so much for sharing your wisdom, sharing your personal story, and sharing your personal journey to freedom. Freedom from the suffering you're experiencing through your mental health and how you're able to learn, learn and discover on your own and talk to professionals and seek help and support from your parents and how to learn how to manage your medication and then eventually get off medication practice yoga, practice meditation, all the things that Julie was able to do. And then she put it all together. And through her wisdom, through her experience, since she was 17 years old, putting it into this book by Polar, B-Y-E hyphen Polar. And I have a link in the episode notes and how you can offer, you can order it from amazon.com. And of course, you can also find it at your local, local bookstore, local bookseller. All right, so I want to recap. So a couple of things I do, I'm going to share her. She shared actually four ways to stay spiritually fit, but I did like a quote that is kind of stuck with me and I've shared it. Um, I've kind of taken it on for myself because I feel like I've needed to hear it and apply it to myself. And I've also shared it in a couple of yoga classes already. So the, uh, the quote, a bad attitude is like a flat tire. You can't go anywhere until you change it. I love that one. It's so good. All right. So Julie, she shared with us four ways to stay spiritually fit. So her first one, first one was take deep, deep breaths and take a pause. And then the second one was linking in with the take a pause, take a pause and listen for what's needed in the moment. And then linking into number three from that listening, take action. And then four, her bonus tip was never give up. And I heard her in the story how she didn't give up on herself. Her parents didn't give up on her. And I hope that that's also a lesson. I know I heard that is to be an advocate for yourself and to share with others when you're experiencing a challenge, a mental health challenge, to reach out to a friend and and know that it can take a lot of strength and can can take a lot of courage to let somebody know that, hey, something seems a little bit off and I could use some support. You know, could you give me some resources or would you go with me to a doctor or go to with me to a therapist and, and drive me or whatever it is that you need to know that it's actually a strength to be able to acknowledge that you might need support and seek the help that you need. And also know that this episode and my podcast and and the prescriptions from the guests here, they are not prescriptions actually. They are not, I am not a doctor, Julie is not a doctor. This this podcast is not is not substitute for medical advice. They're personal stories that I hope inspire you just as alternatives. So take the medicine that you need, listen to your doctors, and consider that there could be the possibility of freedom from mental health suffering through yoga and meditation. And even if you are on medication, on medicine, 
that the yoga and meditation could also be a beautiful way to also be a supplement to your mental health care. I personally definitely experienced that myself, the yoga and meditation. That's why I, I share this message so much. That's one of the reasons I created this podcast. And it is in no way, no way a substitute for medical advice. Okay, so you get it. You hear my message. And happy International Day of Yoga. And we just had the summer solstice. Happy summer solstice, solstice, those of you like I am in the Northern Hemisphere. And if any of you are experiencing heat waves like we've been having here in California, it's cooling down now. But um, stay cool, stay hydrated, take care of yourself, body, mind, and spirit. And always, I am so, so, so very, very grateful that you are here. Thank you, and I look forward to bringing you the next episode next week. Peace out.